Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, and he's back. The man, myth, the legend from Las Vegas, Brian Lebo. How you doing, sir? What's up? How's it going, man? Going well. So, dude, uh, Vegas has got to be crashing. It's got to be falling off a cliff, like real estate depression. Uh, has to be horrible in Vegas right now because prices, affordability, interest rates, it's just got to be all kinds of awful. I don't know how, I don't know how you're not a Starbucks barista right now because you can't be selling real estate. Yeah. Slow your roll, baby boy. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, we're going to get into that. I mean, there's definitely signs of change uh, upon us, but far, 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 far from the sky falling. So, yeah. People have been calling for Las Vegas to crash for like, I don't know, three, four years now, pretty steadily. And it's, it's, it hasn't. And um, I think it's fair to say that Vegas may be slowing down. That's something I've been telling people for the last six months is coming to America. So no, no reason why Vegas shouldn't feel it at least at some level, but yeah, even, even though rates are up, rates have doubled and uh, it'll be interesting to see what's going on with Vegas real estate. So I know you have a lot of amazing details. Let's just show people what you got and we can talk about it. Okay. <clears throat> so kind of from a macro perspective, we're, we are in a very, very, very fascinating moment in time. Okay. Um, and what I mean by that is anytime markets change, there's going to be a delay. And mm. there's a delay between perception and reality. Okay. And what I mean by that is this. And before we overreact to everything, you know, a trend to me, a trend is when you have two to three months of a yes. particular behavior, not one isolated month. Right. Last month definitely showed us an indication of a slowdown in certain areas. But again, you can't overreact to one month information. Mm -hmm. If that persists continuously, then we have a trend on our hands and something to be concerned about. Right, right now, it's very cautionary. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> what I wanted to explain was the perception reality difference. And what I mean yeah. by that is... What's occurring in the real world in real space in real time isn't necessarily reflected in the media and is not necessarily reflected in the eyes of sellers. You mean okay. the media lies to us, Brian? Come on, stop. Well, I wouldn't say lies, but <laughs> of the, what was it, Kellyanne Conway? Alternative truths? Alternative truths. Well, let's just say alternative truths. Right. And, I'll, and I'll kind of get into that later because there okay. is some media coverage that is both true and false at the very same time. Okay. And what we're going to do today here is, is get to the bottom of what's true and what's false, because sometimes factual data is misrepresentative of the reality. Okay? Well, we hear, we see it on YouTube a lot. I mean, there's a lot of content creators who put out statistics that are factually correct, but horribly misguided. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> Inventory is up 900%. Well, it went from one to nine. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And that's so what I try to do in my videos is add perspective to right. uh, empty calories, right? I can spit all these empty calories of data, yes. but what does that actually mean in real space in real time? 
So yeah. And remind people what your YouTube channel is. Cause what you do for the Vegas market is something, frankly, other agents should do for their MSAs. You have data back years. You've been collecting data every month religiously. So when you talk about April data, you not only have this April, you have last April and the April before that. So it's amazing what, what you have done and you continue to do. You just put out a video with April data yesterday, which I unfortunately right. haven't seen yet, but we should all go check you out. What is your YouTube channel? Yeah. So my YouTube channel is the Lebo group. So, I mean, just go on Google and type Brian Lebo, type the Lebo group and you'll get it on uh, YouTube. Cool. And what I've, I've been doing this for over a decade <clears throat> and what I've been providing the general public is like I said, it's deeper insight as to what's really going on in the market. I've predicted market upturns multiple times because you can follow certain trends and come to a conjecture, uh, no matter what, whether it's a crash, whether it's an uptick, that the tea leaves have always been there is whether you choose to recognize them and follow them. You can't necessarily always predict what happens a year, two years from now, but you can certainly see behaviors as they occur and you can certainly be well ahead of the curve by yeah. paying attention to what's important and, and not and well, disseminating all the other information. That'd be Before we get into the data, because I really want to look at the data and just highlight the amazing stuff you do for folks. I want to talk about that because I'm in my market every day. You know, obviously you're, you've been in Vegas doing this for 10 years. I just want to talk about the last two weeks, right? Since May 1st. So 17, 18 days, whatever it is. Uh, I want to talk about the out-of-state investor because it was very clear when we talked, you know, a couple of times in the last year, out-of-state investors, specifically California, SoCal, California, were repeatedly coming in and buying cash, kind of the 750 and above area, if I remember our talks. Uh, are they still calling you? Is it slowed down? What, what, what's, uh, what's going um, on with these out-of-state yeah. folks? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, in that sense, the, if you're buying long-term rental properties, the immediate future doesn't really matter unless you legitimately believe, like if you're looking to purchase a portfolio of five more properties, it doesn't make any difference what's happening in the next six months, year. You're concerned with, <clears throat> is this a viable investment for the long term? Correct. So fundamentally, nothing has changed. And from an investor standpoint, as long as you can put asses in seats, mm. it doesn't really make a difference. And the rental market hasn't softened a bit. And I don't see that softening at all. Mm -hmm. So from an investor standpoint, yeah, you're getting hit on the interest rates. So that's yeah. certainly less favorable. Mm -hmm by all means, everyone that I've spoken to that's very high up in the banking system, it appears as though rates are going to touch that 6% rate and then are going to come back to about 3% at the same time next year. Wow. So in the threes. I shouldn't say 3%, in the threes. That's amazing. Uh, Lots of people are saying that, man. So you're saying in the threes. So you're not calling that return trip this year. You're calling uh, it next year. Q1, Q2 next year. Yeah, so, lots of people are calling for that. That'll be interesting. Okay. Yeah, you know, from what I gather, it's, it's basically the feds and then the bond market, which is what in mortgage rates are tied to. Mm -hmm. Basically, we got to get inflation under control. So they're going to keep blowing these interest rates up until people stop borrowing, stop spending. And yeah, stop they're going to break it. They're going to break it off. You got to break the cycle. Now, once you break the cycle, you've got to be careful not to end yeah. up in a recession. So yeah. once we get people comfortable not blowing all their money, not taking out excessive loans, and, and getting back to normalcy. Okay. I, think we, I think what we're missing sight of is, which we can discuss a little bit later, when you have a market that's overheated, that's ridiculous, that's non-sustainable, mm. slowing that down isn't a crash. It may, it may feel like a crash when things slow down. Exactly. But really, it's simply a return to normalcy. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're 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 not in a vet going 120 down the freeway. You're in a vet, you know, going 25 on a, in a or 15 in a school district yeah. or whatever the right speed limit. You're still going forward. You're yeah. just not going 120. And I mean, <clears throat> I've been saying this since we started doing these interviews. 20, 30 percent appreciation is not sustainable. Not sustainable. Yes, you did. Yep. Not if, if you continue, if you continue at 20, 30 percent indefinitely, eventually you will find yourself in a crash because that is not sustainable. Agreed. So this is probably the greatest potential for soft landing that we have where we can avoid a major crash mm-hmm. by returning to normalcy in a, in a slow cautionary pace. And ultimately that's what I see happening is okay. <clears throat> rates are gonna go up to the point where people finally cool out. Yep. And once we have normalcy, once inflation gets under control, beginning of next year, Okay. Then all of a sudden you'll start to see the Fed taper rates back down because okay. you don't want to end up in a recession. You want an even and balanced market and everything they've done has not slowed it down. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. drastic situations require drastic measures. And that's why we're seeing rates go so high. So and- in the numbers, right? Cause again, you've been doing this monthly. If yeah. what you're kind of putting out there is the future happens, I'm guessing what we would see in the numbers is inventory rise probably. Yeah. So so the, the greatest precursor that we want to look at is inventory levels. Okay. Right? So <clears throat> your greatest predictor of, of market behavior is going to be those inventory levels because mm-hmm. right now, so here's the two truths, right? Last month, inventory in Las Vegas went up 25%. Oh now, no. Right. As a blanket statement in, in, in general, in general terms, a 25% monthly increase in inventory is devastating. That indicates a massive crash, a massive swing. <clears throat> That's very drastic. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, if I tell you that inventory went up 450 homes and we sell 3,000 a month, <laughs> yeah, is that is that really, really something to to really get concerned about? <clears throat> I mean, your days on market went from nine to 11. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We increased like four days of inventory. Oh my God. So where we stand is, you know, we're selling about 3000 homes a month and our inventory went up 450 homes. So we had, you know, we've gone from, you know, two and a half, three weeks supply of inventory to like a three, four week supply of inventory. If you study... Actually, can I ask you a question about that four? I mean, if you don't know the answer, it's totally cool, but... I am fascinated by this because, again, I look in my market every day, Fresno, California. I now have a national show that I hear from all other areas. So I really think housing has three um, segments. First-time home buyer, move-up buyer, luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and if you haven't looked at this, it's totally cool. But I'm curious if you had a rough guess of the 450 new homes do, is it kind of evenly dispersed? Is there one bigger bucket than the other? Any idea? Um, as far as new inventory, it's going to be evenly dispersed. It is, okay. your, <clears throat> the next topic I was going to get to is housing absorption. Okay. Um, so, and that will kind of ex- explain what you're looking for. Just Got it. Metric. Okay. Understood. Yep. yep I yep. see where you're going and I'll, and I'll satisfy that desire, but in a different way. Okay. Okay. So, from an inventory standpoint, yeah, 450 homes is a drop in the bucket. Who cares? That's just an over, it's like, it's a catchy headline, yeah. but really not anything to get overly concerned with. However, what is concerning is 
since the end of April, so two weeks in, <clears throat> we've had double digits both weeks. I haven't pulled this week because I'll be pulling it tomorrow. Mm. Now, when you say double digits both week, what is double digits? Oh, I'm sorry, triple what? digits, triple digits. So oh, new inventory. Know, each week this month, we've had 100 plus homes added to the inventory. Oh, so okay. what happened last month is not an anomaly. Right. We're, we're continuously adding. And I think a couple of weeks ago, let me see real quick. Um, so yeah, the first week of the month, we added 207 homes. Last week, we added 133 homes. Mm. So quite frankly, these are pretty large numbers mm -hmm. that eventually will add up. Now, so, when, you, when you look at these numbers, again, this is fascinating. And Vegas is such a special place. I think, I think like last year, I believe we had FOMO, but it was on the buyer side. 100%. 100%. Now, what I think might be happening is we have FOMO on the seller side. Oh my God, it's the peak. I don't want to see Vegas because maybe these people are in Vegas and they saw Vegas last time crash 75% or 80 or whatever it was. And now they're like, oh my God, I don't want to live through that again. I'm going to sell now. But my question to you is of all of these listings, I'm seeing a lot of what I call wish pricing. I want to sell it at what my neighbor got a, you know, four months ago and it's just a fundamentally different market. Do you see a lot of wish pricing or do you think these things are priced pretty good and all yeah. of it will sell? <clears throat> So going back to what I was saying, perception versus reality. Right now, the market is changing. The problem is there's that delay between the reality and the perception. So you are correct. There are speculative sellers out there that are going, hey, you know, let's just cash out. I was going to wait till the end of the year, but hey, I don't want to get stuck. So let's cash out. So you do have some people that are jumping the gun. So real quick, you were right. Last year, which we'll get back to, Part of the reason last year was so ridiculous in April was there was a, a basically a run on the market. Yeah. People that were normally not going to buy until June or May bought early, yeah. bought early because prices were accelerating so much. So again, on that note, what happened last year was a complete anomaly. That is not normal market behavior for the month of April. Right. So to try to compare this April to the greatest April in the history of Las Vegas real estate, is setting yourself up for failure. It's like if you're a Chicago Bulls fan and you're saying, I can't believe we aren't winning 72 games. Yeah. That happened once in history, happened twice in history because of the Warriors. It is not, that is not any type of a normal benchmark or behavior and your expectations are yeah. way exceeding normality. Now, getting back to this perception reality conversation, the problem that is about to exist. And this is why I said we're in a very, very interesting time. I've been here before. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is if you're a seller, all you've heard for two years is I'll list my house for whatever I want. I'll get more than what I ask for. <laughs> yeah. Some rich guy from California is going to show up with a bag of money and beg me to overpay for my house. Yep. And you can't blame people because everyone knows someone who knows someone who knows another five people who replicated that model. Mm -hmm. So the problem that you're running into now is this. <clears throat> the market is starting to fragment with regards to behavior, okay? Mm -hmm. So last week, I listed a property for a client who, it was for their mother. And so, you know, it's a very humble, small home in an older area it's not super crazy desirable. It's a thousand square foot little home with a pool, but it needs an entire remodel. It's not an amazing sought after property, but it was an inexpensive property, 
with a swimming pool in a, in a nice little backyard. I had 21 offers. Wow. And we were well over 10% of the asking price with the offers. So on one hand, where we are currently at is on the affordable side of housing, there's still 20 buyers for every home. And you got to realize, yeah. realize this. When people make statements about the market, it's easy to make some blanket statement. But the truth is that real estate is so much more nuanced. It depends mm. on the location, the price range. There's many factors that are going to dictate market behavior. So when we're talking about homes that are priced 300000 to 400000 it is very much a seller's market because one, you have to think, expanding on what you were saying, first-time home buyers, that's their price segment, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You also have investors that are going to be buying these as rental properties. You also have second home buyers that are buying these for second homes. It, it fundamentally, everyone can afford a three to four, five hundred thousand dollar home. There's there's a ton of buyers. Mm. More importantly, think about this: for a four hundred thousand dollar home, there are no new homes being built competing exactly. with the product. Exactly. So you have a very constrained supply and a massive amount of demand that you cannot possibly even meet. Yeah, you so, could you could cut the demand in half with higher rates, and it still doesn't matter. There's still enough cash buyers and all of that. Yeah. You've yeah. got so many buyers that you've got a whole generation of kids that didn't buy homes because it wasn't important to them that are now getting in. And you've yep. got so many people that had abandoned the concept that are still trying to get in. Fundamentally, that price segment is, is damn near indestructible for a very, 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 very long time. Yeah. Now, where we're starting to see cracks is in the 750000 to $1.5 million price range. And the reason is you're dealing with more astute buyers that are paying more attention to the markets. These are the types of buyers that have stock investments, that have mm. crypto investments. So obviously they've taken a pounding in this last yeah. year. So yeah. anyone who deals in like higher end real estate knows that you know individuals' portfolios can very much dictate their desire mm -hmm. to jump in and out of markets. You lose half of your money in crypto and you know your backside gets real tight real quick. Yeah. So the other component to that is, you know, in good areas in Las Vegas, the majority of the homes being built are in that 700 to $1 million price range. Yeah. Forgive me. I don't know Vegas at all. Would you consider 750 to one five luxury or is that just a solid move up buyer? I, I don't know. So, you know, luxury, you know, I would still say, you know, 1 million to 1.5 okay. ish is still, you're, you're getting into that luxury segment okay. and then ultra luxury, I would consider over 1.5 million. Got it. Million. Okay. Now, um, and that's a whole different world of ultra luxury. A lot of those are cash buyers. And again, there's, there's an effect there as well. Sure. But when I pulled the saturation numbers, it was pretty drastic. While we saw drops across the board, the major difference was in the 750 to million dollar price range, mm -hmm. there was an 8% drop in housing absorption. So mm -hmm. what that means to you watching is that when you go look on Zillow, mm -hmm. let's just say if the saturation rate is 66%, mm -hmm. it means that when you go look on Zillow, two out of three homes that you're looking at is already under contract. They're yeah, not they available. Yeah. So the higher the percentage, the more competitive that market segment is. Okay. Well, yeah. 750 to 1 million dropped 8%. That's a, that's a huge drop for one month. Yeah, one month, yeah. 1 million to 1 1.5 dropped 9%. Ooh. Huge drop for one month. Now, like I said earlier, 
So many of these brand new homes being built in nice areas like Green Valley and Summerlin, which really drives these markets. Those properties once built are right up there, 700,000 to 1.5 million. So you have less demand because interest rates are really affecting people's purchasing power. It's the best way to put it is, mm-hmm. is purchasing power. So when buyer's purchasing power is affected, the amount that they're qualifying for is going to be reduced. Mm-hmm. And you also have to remember, you've got competition on two ends. You've got brand new home competition and you've got resale home competition. Yeah. So it's a very different market than when we're talking about affordable housing. Oh, no so, question, yeah. So that's where we're going to see the first cracks. Now, from the seller standpoint, that perception reality argument becomes very, very profound in the sense that there's people that are listing their house, right? Let's say your house is worth 800000 Of course, you're going to list it for 825, 850. Why not? We can always come down. Mm. So you list it for $850,000 and now all of a sudden there's crickets. And I'm seeing properties that are on the market 30, 40 days stacking up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're overpriced and they're not in the condition that they should be in because those sellers were conditioned to believing that anyone will buy anything for any price. Mm-hmm. And now the market is starting to change. So now we're slowly getting back to reality. So now what you're going to find is that a lot of these sellers, their expectations are not going to be met in the next month or two mm-hmm. because they're going to find out that their house isn't selling. And why? Yeah. So let's, so let's talk about that person. Cause that's exactly what's happening across the country, at least in most markets where you use the 800, 850 example here. So that seller that listed 850 after 30 days, if they haven't already, they call up the listing agent and yell at you. You suck, blah, blah, blah. Where's my open house? You're not doing your job, blah, blah, blah. Let's just assume after three months, you know, there's been no price drop. The question I have is, again, sellers are predictable. Some of those people at 850 will simply take their home off the market. Nobody understands. My house is special, blah, 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 blah. And they weren't really a sale because they didn't price it right. It counted as active, but it was never priced right. right. Others will take a price drop. And now will they take a price drop to the 800 or because now they've aged out, they need to go 775 or, or something, right? Because they got to get eyeballs on it. Um, the, the question I, I'm guessing, and then, oh, by the way, if you sell it, if you have it at 850, you sell it at 800, where the hell are you going to go? Right. Right. Are you going to stay in Vegas? <clears throat> are you going to go to Miami? I mean, where are you going? Because right. again, the whole market is, I think, I think the housing market is broken, just broken. First time home buyers, white hot. Move up market, kind of broken because, oh, by the way, I bought my house in Vegas two years ago. Not only have I made a hundred grand or 150 grand, but I got interest rates sub three. Why do I want to buy the new brand new house at 500 and my rates now seven? This whole housing market is broken. I think transactions I think, I think tr- national transactions fall at least 25% this year. Um, I don't know if that kind of hits you as super shocking or not. Um, I, don't, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the number in Las Vegas. Yeah, I don't know. We have such migration. Um, I mean, if you want to get the hell out of California, you're getting out and you're going somewhere. Yeah. Whether it's here, Phoenix. You're going east. You're going somewhere, <laughs> man. Yeah. But what, what's going to be really, really interesting now moving forward is this. <clears throat> You've got compound fractures. Hmm. So I like right now I'm an escrow on a property that's $800,000. Well, the seller for that property, their home is, is being built and it's going to be completed here soon. Now, here's what's going to 
this immediate phase is going to be very interesting because you've got overambitious sellers that are not going to have their expectations met, right? Right. If you're counting on 850 for your house sale, thinking you're going to use that for your down payment on this home that you're being built. Ah, if suddenly you get 775, you're coming up 75K short on your expectation. And second, your stock just got a hit and you don't have the backup. And Right. And then second of all, you also have to remember, you know, a lot of these people wait, they cut it close and homes aren't selling in those price ranges as quickly as possible. Yeah. Now, here's the, here's the analogy that I, that I try to use in last month's video, not this month. <clears throat> and this, I was actually surprised when I really wrapped my head around it because I started it saying, you know, I've never had a buyer say, you know, I was going to buy a house, but now the interest rates are up half a point. You know what? I'm going to wait till next year. That's never happened to me. That doesn't necessarily happen, but here's exactly what happens. And ultimately it boils down to the same thing. At the beginning of the year, when interest rates were 3%, and this is a weird number, but it kind of is where it came in. If you had a $1,776 monthly payment, you could qualify for a $475,000 home. The yep. reason I did that is because that was the median price when I did the video, right? Yep. So $475 was $1,776. Okay. At 5%, you qualify for $370. You guys out there, like, really, 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 really pay attention to that because what people don't understand, you know, especially in America, is that we are a country bound by monthly payments. Yes. People don't care about the price of, of items as much as they care about the monthly obligation and if they can squeeze that into their budget. So the problem that happens is going from a $470,000 property to a $370,000 property for the same monthly amount, mm -hmm. you're not getting that same type of home at all. Yeah, no, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like where I'm at, you can't get a home in Summerlin for 370. You can get a home for 470. So the problem you run into is these buyers that were pre-qualified, they come out and all of a sudden they go, oh my God, like, I don't like what I see. I'm not going to buy. Yep. They're out. Now, what's going to be interesting is if you're, let's say you're a seller and you have this brand new home being built. Yep. One, you're not going to get necessarily what you were hoping to. And it's going to be a little bit of a rougher course and it may take longer. The second part is now that interest rates have gone up more than two points, like you said, doubled, what the hell does your payment on that house look like? So you're gonna have a lot of people that are not going to qualify for the home that they built. Yes, I agree. I think that I, and that's what we're going to do in episode two, talk about builders. Cause I do think um, that's where a lot of the pain will show up first. Cause they got to move right. Existing home sellers, they can decide to stay. Yeah. at least many times. <clears throat> Builders are recycling money and they got to keep the crews going and keep, keep the cash flow going. So it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, kind of wrap up Vegas for us. Basically what I think you're saying is uh, we have an inflection point. Inventory is building validated with May's early data. Um, but where we go from here is still be, to be determined is what I hear you saying. Yeah, for the most part, I mean, it definitely feels like the market's cooling. It, it feels that way. The data is backing it up. But right now, it's not across the board. It's very, very much segregated into specific price segments, specific products. The question we have moving forward is, one, how many cancellations do we start seeing on brand new homes? Yes. Because again, like I said, people are not going to qualify for these new homes. And again, the majority of people buying a $800,000 home it's not their first home. They're selling yeah. a home and then they're buying their home. So if they're impacted on the sale and then they're getting impacted on the interest rate hit, suddenly it's just, just stay. it doesn't feel right and, and people are going to back out. And if yep. 
the media portrays that there's going to be this crash, whether it happens or not, do you want to take on more debt, especially at a time where Wall Street's failing, crypto's broke, everyone's talking about a recession. Some people may be wisely conservative and just say, you know what, I'd rather lose my 40,000 earnest money on this new home than encumber myself with debt yeah. that I can't afford. Yep. We're going to talk about builders in episode number two. Brian, where can people right. find you? So lebogroup.com. You can go to YouTube and watch my videos and understand how I operate. Um, and that's just YouTube, the Lebo group, or just call or text me directly. 702-257-LEBO. 257-LEBO. Thank you, buddy. All right, guys. Thanks.